Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Patrick Stone, and I'm the Vice President of Government Relations and Advocacy with the National Psoriasis Foundation. I'm here today with Dr. Joel Gelfand, who is Professor of Dermatology and Epidemiology and the Director of the Psoriasis and Phototherapy Treatment Center at the University of Pennsylvania. Dr. Gelfand is also the Vice Chair of Clinical Research and has a clinical practice with a focus on treating psoriasis. His career over the last 20 years or so really has been dedicated to the care of patients living with psoriatic disease. Dr. Gelfand is a longtime champion of NPF, which we certainly appreciate, and today we'll talk about phototherapy and the Light Treatment Effectiveness Study, or LIGHT Study, which is a patient-centered research study being done in partnership with the National Psoriasis Foundation. To start this podcast, let's cover a few basics first for the audience. Can you explain the different types of phototherapy? Sure. Well, there's broadly two types of phototherapy available. One in the ultraviolet B range, we call it narrowband UVB. Uh, One in the ultraviolet A range, it's often combined with something that sensitizes the skin to light called sorolin, either taken by mouth or uh, applied topically. The most common thing we use in clinical practice these days is ultraviolet uh, narrowband phototherapy. And the reason why is that it's very convenient for patients. They don't need to take a pill or put a special cream on and it's highly effective for the treatment of psoriasis. Uh, That being said, there's certain special areas of the body involved in psoriasis, the hands and feet. That tends to do very well with topical PUVA, uh, where we put uh, the sorolin in an ointment or a cream, patients put on their hands and feet, and then we shine ultraviolet A radiation on the skin to control the disease in those areas. Historically, we've also used sorolin by mouth, called PUVA, uh, where patients would take a pill, uh, and then they'd be shined with ultraviolet A radiation, and that worked quite well for psoriasis, but it was pretty inconvenient for patients. Uh, They could feel a little nauseous or queasy from the pill. Mm with long-term use to a higher risk of skin cancers and things of that nature. And so in the modern era, most people prefer to use narrow-band ultraviolet B phototherapy for their psoriasis. Uh, the other type of phototherapy available is targeted laser in the uh, ultraviolet B range, uh, external laser, one of the examples of that. And that's highly effective for localized psoriasis. If a patient has you know, one or two plaques that are very stubborn, uh, that could be very useful for those patients. I literally had someone send me an email the other day through our action network asking questions about the laser therapy. So certainly something the patient community is still interested in. Um, and from what you're, you're saying here, I mean, this has been around for like 100 years as a treatment. Uh, this uh, is actually true. So actually, you know, the first use of phototherapy date, date back to the Egyptian times uh, when they would use plant-based treatments upon the skin and treat various maladies, including oh, wow. psoriasis. Really, in the United States, it started to be used in the 1900s, uh, actually at a time for uh, tuberculosis infections of the skin. It was the 1980s when it was discovered that narrow band, uh, the wavelength 311, uh, the ultraviolet B range was so effective for psoriasis. Uh, that the treatment uh, really uh, took hold in the United States. So if this goes back to Egyptian times, I I assume it's pretty safe uh, for people to use, right? Yeah, well, I think just like sunlight, uh, the concerns that with too much of a dose, someone could get a sunburn. 
Uh, now, usually under careful medical supervision, that's unlikely to happen because we uh, dose the light very carefully, but it could always happen, especially if there's an error in, say, the dosing that's put into the computer or put into the machine. And then there's also concerns with very long-term use of ultraviolet phototherapies, uh, that patients may have some premature aging of the skin or even uh, certain types of skin cancer. Interestingly, in a handful of studies I've been done, there really hasn't been a strong signal for skin cancer yet, and having used this therapy my entire career, it seems like there is, if there is a higher risk of skin cancer for patients, it must be pretty modest, because patients don't necessarily notice it or complain about it, things of that nature. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that we have a, a longtime patient advocate who talks still about creating his own phototherapy box and having to uh, create it in a way that didn't give himself a sudden burn. And I, I oftentimes imagine him in his backyard kind of hammering something together, you yes. know, creating his own phototherapy box. Well, this, this brings up really the, the advances in, in home phototherapy are now occurring in the United States and around the world. Uh, you know, for years, uh, patients used to be able to get to their doctor's office a couple times a week if they needed to for treatment. In a more modern era, it's often very difficult for patients to get time off from work or both, uh, you know, father and mother both work and therefore are not available to get in for treatment if they need to come in. And so home phototherapy has become much more popular, very uh, popular amongst our patients. Uh, the challenge is that uh, there's not a lot of data in the United States to uh, prove its usefulness and now a more diverse patient population. And as a result, uh, there's a lot of variation in the willingness of insurance companies to cover this modality. Uh, Medicare, for example, does cover it, but other private insurances often don't or make it difficult to get access. And also many dermatologists aren't necessarily comfortable uh, prescribing these devices because they don't have much experience with it or there's not a lot of data uh, to guide them in how to use it for patients. With all the new therapies we have available, why is phototherapy still used? Yeah, you know, when you have a disease that affects over 8 million people in the United States, uh, you need a lot of different treatment options when it comes down to it. Each patient is unique uh, in terms of their preferences, in terms of how well their condition is going to respond uh, to the treatment that we choose for them. And even with all the advances in biologics, we know that most of them tend to lose response over time. So if you have a patient who's a young patient who needs to live with this disease for many decades, the odds of having complete control of their disease for many, many years is still something that we're trying to achieve for people that we haven't gotten there yet for certainty. Um, and also, you know, patients have different uh, willingnesses to try different therapies. So the advantage of phototherapy is that you're treating the skin from the outside in. There's really no risk of internal side effects and there's no injections and things of that nature. And so despite the fact that our new treatments become increasingly safe, uh, you know, no internal therapies without risk. All of them have some degree of risk related to them, whether it be relationships to infection or unpredictable, unusual effects that could happen with any type of uh, biologic type medication. Uh, so as a result, you know, many patients sort of prefer uh, to try a therapy that is a little more conservative, unlikely to cause internal side effects to it. The other thing is that there's a wide variety of severities of disease out there in the U.S. population of people with psoriasis. So, you know, for people who have psoriasis on 3 4 or 5% of their body, um, that's mainly on the trunk of the arms or legs, uh, those patients are great candidates for phototherapy. Uh, and they may have trouble accessing biologics because they're so expensive. And many insurance companies would want to see someone have, you know, more severe disease, at least 10% of their body involved. And so just thinking about the population of patients out there, there's more people who have sort of moderate disease out there in the U.S. population who would be great candidates for phototherapy and who may have, access, uh, may have trouble accessing our most effective therapies. So what makes someone a good candidate for phototherapy? Well, a lot of has to do with where this arises affecting the patient's skin. So, for example, someone has a lot of nail disease 
or genital disease, those are areas that we just can't treat effectively with phototherapy. Those patients wouldn't be great candidates, for example. Um, but then, for the most part, other patients, uh, depending on where the disease is, if it's predominantly in areas that the light can target, uh, so mainly on the arms and trunk and legs, then they should do quite well with phototherapy. So for many patients, they could be good candidates uh, for this treatment. Uh, I think that given the current circumstances, a person needs to have the flexibility to come to the doctor's office uh, a couple times a week. Uh, the treatment works best if people go three times a week for about 12 weeks. But they go twice a week, they have pretty good responses as well. And then, you know, they have to live close to a dermatologist who offers this treatment. And that's a real challenge for patients. You know, dermatologists are not well geographically distributed in this country. And we know that 90% of counties in the U.S. Uh, don't even have a dermatologist that offers phototherapy in their practice. Uh, and so for those who live in more uh, congested uh, urban environments, they have more access to phototherapy. Mm -hmm. Those who may be in more uh, rural environments, uh, they may have more trouble getting access to these treatments. Talk to me a little bit about how uh, comorbidities associated with psoriatic disease may impact someone's choice to uh, engage in phototherapy as their main line of treatment. Yeah, so this is a great question. So we know people with psoriasis uh, struggle with a lot of common chronic comorbidities, uh, most commonly uh, psoriatic arthritis, as well as uh, cardiometabolic problems, uh, you know, atherosclerosis, uh, metabolic syndrome, diabetes, high blood pressure, things of that nature. Light therapy is very safe in, in, in all these comorbid problems people have. And one of the reasons why people like light therapy a lot uh, is that if someone's had a recent malignancy, for example, or if you're a woman of childbearing age, it's perfectly safe to use in those circumstances. And most patients in their care team feel comfortable using it uh, in those circumstances. Now, if someone has psoriatic arthritis, we're usually targeting therapies that treat both the skin and the joints. Uh, but there are certainly patients who find that they have bad psoriatic arthritis, they get good control of their disease with, you know, with either an oral medication or injectable biologic, but they have residual skin disease. And then the question is, well, what to do at that point in time? If the joints are well controlled, do you want to take the risk of trying other therapies until you find something that works with both the skin and the joints? Or you could add on phototherapy to the existing regimen people are taking. That's often a common choice for patients uh, dealing with both psoriatic arthritis uh, and skin disease. Thank you. So we, we talked a little bit about the challenges of going to the doctors two to three times a week to uh, receive treatment, uh, whether or not you're in a rural area or in a city center, that's still a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. So expand on, on what the University of Pennsylvania, the University of Utah, and the National Psoriasis Foundation are doing to address this issue. Yeah, this work goes back uh, almost a decade at this point in time. About 10 years ago, we received a grant from the National Institutes of Health uh, to better understand patient preferences and the effectiveness of our treatments uh, in real-world everyday use in clinical practice in the U.S. And what we learned uh, from that research is that, that despite the advances we've had in psoriasis treatments, still many patients and many dermatologists still prefer phototherapy as being a first-line treatment option for people who have psoriasis. Um, but patients really have trouble accessing for the reasons we've discussed so far. And when we asked patients about home phototherapy, overwhelmingly they said that this is something they'd want to be able to try if it was available to them. And so enter the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, or PCORI. They fund research that's patient-centered. And this is a very patient-centered question, which is can uh, treatment at home with phototherapy work as well as treatment in the office? 
Uh, and this is work that we've done with the National Psoriasis Foundation over the last several years, and ultimately had an award from PCORI to set up a study of 1,050 patients across the country. Half will be randomized to getting phototherapy delivered at home. Uh, they'll have a, a box shipped to their house uh, for 12 weeks, or the other half will just go into their regular clinical practice for routine uh, phototherapy that we get in regular patient care. All the, all the data will be collected on their cell phone. Patients will enter their quality of life information every four weeks for a period of 24 weeks. So it sounds like this is a very unique study. What, what are the outcomes of the study? Yeah, so really the goal of the study is to see if we could treat people successfully with phototherapy at home as well as we could treat them in the office. And, and ultimately the goal is to make psoriasis care more patient-centered as opposed to more physician-centered. Uh, right now, a lot of the care occurs in a, in a doctor's office. The question is, can we transition this to be done in a patient's home setting where most patients feel more comfortable and also it's much more convenient. Uh, the other unique part of this study is that it will have equal representation of all skin types. So it'll be a sim similar number of people with very dark skin types to very fair skin types. And this will be very important for the field of psoriasis because we'll have much more data on the diversity of patients living with psoriasis. And we'll know for certain how well the treatments work uh, in people with darker skin, uh, where the white may not penetrate as well and therefore may not work as well, or in people with very fair skin where they may be more prone to, say, burns and things of that nature. So we'll get very good information from that perspective. Uh, the last part is, is also this new type of research we call pragmatic clinical trials. Really, clinical trials are designed to be embedded in routine clinical care. If you look at the, most of the psoriasis trials that are done today, they'll have 30 or 40 or 50 inclusion-exclusion criteria, uh, including you have to have a certain posi and all those other issues uh, to get into the study. This study reflects real-world clinical practice. There's no requirement for having a POSI score. There's no maximum uh, or minimum BSA you need to have with psoriasis. And you don't have to stop your biologics or your oral medications or your topical medications if you're taking them. In the real-world clinical practice, this is how we practice, oftentimes using multiple therapies to help control the patient's disease state. If we're successful doing this study, we'll open up the opportunity to many more pragmatic trials in the United States in, in psoriasis to better understand how our treatments perform in our real-world settings and what's the best way to treat our patients. You mentioned skin of color and how this study is going to incorporate um, that patient population specifically into the study. Has that been an area that's lacking in clinical studies? Yeah, I think that uh, one of the challenges we've had in psoriasis research uh, is that people of color tend to be underrepresented in a lot of our clinical studies. And uh, PCORI, this funding agency, this Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, they're very interested in questions that ask following. Given my own characteristics and my own preferences, what are my best treatment options? Okay? And so for a treatment like phototherapy, for example, since we know it may be more prone to burns in people with fair skin or may not work as well in people with dark skin because of light penetration issues, uh, you know, it's important to have uh, this data uh, well-developed across all the different skin types. Uh, and interestingly, when we got involved in planning this study, we recognized from a number of stakeholders, both those who deliver phototherapy in the office as well as those who manufacture machines at home, they all thought it was a critical part of the study that we're doing. It's part of the reason I'm so excited about it. I mean, I, again, we, we can't make up these examples. We literally got an email last week from an African-American woman in the Deep South, and she said, I feel like I'm being excluded from clinical trials. Mm. I feel like there's not enough data out there. 
and she talked about phototherapy. You know, this is exactly what motivates this type of research. I think what we hope for patients in situations by generating this data will help them make good decisions for themselves. And interestingly, people of color may be the best candidates for home phototherapy because their risk of having complications, burns, or skin cancers is probably going to be very close to zero. It should be extremely safe for them. Uh, the question is, will the treatments be delivered in a way that will be effective for them? We predict, based on our experience, that it should be, but ultimately that's why we need research uh, to prove uh, what we think we know from our clinical experience. Interesting. Filling that gap. I love it. So how does someone with psoriasis who wants to be a part of this study learn more? Uh, yes. Yeah, so one is they can learn more about the study by going to our website, thelightstudy.com, L-I-T-E, and they can talk to their dermatologist about it. And their dermatologist is not uh, a member of the study. Uh, they could ask the dermatologist to learn more about it through the National Psoriasis Foundation. We could certainly uh, sign them up as a site if their dermatologist is interested in getting involved with the work that we're doing. Uh, we will be enrolling for the next three years. So we'll enroll 2019, 2020, and 2021 in order for us to enroll uh, 1,050 patients into the study. So there's certainly opportunities to participate. So how long is the light study going to last? Well, the light study opened for enrollment on March 1st, 2019, and it will enroll for about three years. So in the government relations and advocacy world, um, we always have to be prepared to do our, our 30-second eleva- elevator pitch, right? When you walk into that elevator and the, the Hawaii, Hawaii governor, which mm-hmm. happened to me one of my first days on the job, uh-huh. the Hawaii governor is in the elevator with you. Aloha. Yeah, aloha. I did not start off with that. <laughs> I probably should have. Um, but that 30-second, this is why this is important this is why this study is going to impact lives. Give, give me that answer, please. You know, well, this is why it's, it's important. You know, we have 8 million people in the United States who are trying to manage their psoriasis. It's a lifelong disease once people uh, develop it, uh, and they need multiple different options and strategies for managing their psoriasis. If we could show that this is a patient-centered therapy, which we know it is, and that works just as well as treatment at home is, that will help transition the treatment of psoriasis to be more patient-centered, moving care from the doctor's office to the patient's office, uh, which will be major step forward patients with psoriasis across the United States. You sold me. Uh, Thank you for your time today. Thank you for your work in this area and for always being a champion of NPF. My pleasure. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us in a couple weeks for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Soundbites on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.